Today, we're speaking with Eric Donowski, Chief Technology Officer for Server Central Turing Group. Eric is a veteran of the technology wars and has been developing software, designing global infrastructures, and maintaining large technology and infrastructure for 20 plus years. I don't want to date you or yeah, anything. Something like that. <laughs> but I can do that. I don't have much hair either, so we can, I can go that route. Um, Eric, thank you for joining us. Really appreciate you taking the time today. Anytime. Glad to be here. So the DevOps movement, as many people know, but some don't, began in 2007 in Belgium. That's quite a long time ago. And in most people, I don't think, are aware that it began in Europe. It seems to be a very Silicon Valley type of initiative, but it really has a very different heritage. Well, now we're 13 years in and DevOps continues to gain momentum. What is it that you think has happened? What is it that's unique about DevOps that has allowed it to persevere today and really even to thrive when in the technology world, 13 years is 13 generations? Right, right. Um, I think the, the easy answer is results, right? People have started adopting a DevOps culture and they're seeing a positive effect out of it, right? So, hey, we're going to try this thing and look at we're delivering faster, we're delivering better code, we're delivering you know, less bugs, our customers are seeing updates more frequently. Um, so there's, there's a clear benefit that's happening from it. Um, the other piece I'd say is yes, things evolve quickly in the technology space, but it's usually the technology and not necessarily the processes and culture around how we consume that technology. Um, so in that sense, uh, you know, it's stuck with us, but it's also evolving with us. Um, and there's a clear need for it, and I think that need gets worse, or not necessarily worse, but it gets increased over time because we have a significant increase in complexity um, in what we're doing in the technology environment today, right? There's many layers of abstraction, whether, you know, we're no longer just taking a piece of software, compiling it and dropping it onto a server. No, now we are figuring out what dependencies it has and, and making sure that we deploy it and test it with those dependencies. And then we're abstracting it a level further, possibly by putting it on a virtual machine or a container or uh, in a public cloud where we define the infrastructure on the fly. There's a ton of complexity involved in there. And DevOps really, um, that philosophy and that viewpoint um, is really conducive to an environment like that. Well, so you mentioned containers. We've talked a little bit about um, continuous integration, continuous deployment, CI, CD realms. Those two technologies have really become kind of the flag bearers of DevOps. And right. in many instances, they sort of are synonymous, which is dangerous, as sure. you were just alluding to. But why do those two technical aspects carry that flag for DevOps? Right. What is so unique about that that they truly have become synonymous with this effort? Right. Um, I think... One of the, the, the central tenets here is um, automation, repeatability, and team collaboration. Um, and there's many different ways to approach that, but we need tools to enable those sort of ideas to happen. Um, and so while they are synonymous with DevOps because they're oftentimes used in a DevOps framework, doesn't necessarily mean that you're operating in a DevOps mode if you have those tools. Um, you know, if you have one person and that person is really good at it and that's the only thing they understand and they don't involve anyone else, then you're not really practicing DevOps. You might have some automation around a particular deployment, but really the philosophy behind DevOps is, um, you know, taking disparate folks on potentially in the same room or on different sides of the planet with different skill sets, different motivations, bringing them together and figuring out how they can orchestrate a complex piece of work together. So the risks associated with a technology first emphasis on DevOps are very real because it's tangible. 
You can right. download, deploy, buy, whatever, a piece of code, a piece of technology. But in order for it to be successful, it's about the cultural element of it. How do you balance that? What are the risks that businesses face, that managers face with putting technology first or really allowing technology to become first when it comes to DevOps in their organizations? Right. I think that um, if you're letting techno technology drive your choices, um, you're ignoring the most important parts of a DevOps philosophy, um, and you simply will not achieve the benefits of it. Of it. You know, you will not, um, you know, ever get to a point where you have less um, disagreement between teams. Maybe your infrastructure team is like, hey, I didn't know your system required that. I have no idea. How was I supposed to provide that for you? And you needed it last week? What? No way, right? You'll always continue to run into the problems that have continuously plagued uh, multiple teams trying to work together on one project, right? That's the, the DevOps mindset and philosophy was born out of uh, the contention that oftentimes arose out of uh, an infrastructure group supporting a development group and having a misalignment there between what did the development group require, you know, how quickly did they need it, how complex was their deployment, the infrastructure people saying, no, you software people don't understand networking. You can't have that. That's never going to work, right? You always had this continual debate and contention and fighting between them. And the DevOps philosophy back in, in, in Europe 13 years ago was born out of how do we solve for that? How do we get these teams to work together in, in a coherent way? If you put technology for, first, you're actually ignoring the problem um, and you're not thinking about it in the right way. Well, that's an interesting way of looking at it because the idea of throwing technology at business problems is very prevalent. It has been for quite a while now. But it never ends well. And right. here is yet another manifestation of that where, sure, you can throw technology at this, but in reality, you're not going to the core. You're not solving what the end problem or what the true cause is. You're sort of right. treating symptoms. Right. Exactly. That That's right. exactly right. So when we look back, it's easy to look back into the DevOps world of what has happened because there's been such tremendous progress in this area. Mm -hmm. What's next? As we head into 2020, What's going to happen? What are sort of the top two or right. three developments or initiatives that you see really taking place sure. for that community and for this initiative? I think it's still, despite it being 13 years, um, a highly dynamic space that's evolving very quickly. Um, that's being driven by what I think is an exponential increase in complexity um, in the environments that we're building. Um, people have really grabbed onto the idea of automation and repeatability and 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 that's created a kind of a new scale of problems. Well, do you think that's complexity because it can be complex or do you think it's complexity because the tools are available and people want to leverage them and they want to personally expand and grow their skill set and right. their use of technology because that's um, a really interesting angle. No, I don't think it's because of the tools. Okay. I think the technology itself is evolving and what we're seeing is significantly increased layers of abstraction. Okay, um, you know, if you go, and I think it actually really started with the advent of the hyperscale cloud providers gaining significant market share because it was the first time you can start consuming infrastructure in a very dynamic way. And, and you can have as much or as little as you needed whenever you needed it. Um, and it wasn't about, you know, racking and stacking and cabling. You can sort of interface with infrastructure as software. So when people sort of figured out the value in that, they wanted it more and more. They wanted it at a more granular level. It wasn't okay. that I just want a server. 
I want storage provisioned on the fly. I want load balancers provisioned on the fly. I want firewall rules dynamically generated and applied. I want- It's almost a logical extension yeah. in each of those steps rather than just grabbing more for its own sake. Right. It was that logical right. extension, right. which led to the complexity and the abstraction totally. as we were talking right. about. Right, but what that actually created a couple of things that I think have added even further to complexity and abstraction. So first, <laughs> you know, maybe customers adopted Amazon early and were like, oh, wow, look, it, it's an infrastructure with an API. I can do amazing things. Um, and so that created a layer of complexity. And then they said, well, I don't want to just do this on Amazon. I want to do it on, you know, other providers. I want to do it on my own infrastructure. So how do we now redesign that stuff to be abstract enough to be agnostic in terms of the infrastructure it runs on entirely. And without being the lowest common denominator, which is none of the value right. features that exist. Right. So what we see now is like, if you look at what's going on with Kubernetes and the ecosystem around it, I would guess today there is probably no less than 200 to 250 different types of services and tools to use in a containerized and in container orchestration environment, right? The, the level of complexity there is ridiculous, whether it's trying to figure out how do I have persistent storage and have it you know, move dynamically from one data center location to a cloud provider without losing any data, whether it's how do I route traffic how, you know, and do policy-based traffic routing? Is it you know, how do I do really smart um, load balancing of containers? Uh, you know, there's, there's, how do I push metrics so I know exactly what my clusters are doing and what my customers are doing or what is the source of traffic. You know, we're, we're really approaching infrastructure now almost at this quantitative level of, you know, looking at, you know, metrics and data coming in and then making decisions about my infrastructure in real time. Um, so it's the, the need for DevOps and cross-team collaboration is just through the roof right now. So are, what tools are you watching or what um, practices are you watching that are going to help make some of that complexity a little bit more manageable. Because sure. there's a lot of innovation in that direction, but it's like anything, you, there's probably dozens of opportunities, dozens of right. choices. What are you sort of gravitating towards that you think really has a lot of potential to help sort of herd so, those cats, if you will? Yeah, I don't think I'm, I'm looking at any particular um, tool set or piece of technology specifically. I think okay. I'm more um, spending a lot of my time um, understanding um, people's problems and communities and what they're doing. So, for example, you know, I spent a lot of time uh, following the Cloud Native Computing Foundation and what projects are they sponsoring? Why are they sponsoring them? How are they relevant for the problems that we're trying to solve? And how are they relevant for the problems that our customers are trying to solve? Um, so I think if you approach it from the tool side, um, the challenge is that you have, you. it's, oh, I've got this tool. What should I fix or what should I build? I've got a hammer. Everything's a nail. Yeah. Well, <laughs> a little bit of that, but also it's it's a tool in search of a problem or a project, right? I'm approaching it kind of the other way around. Like, what are the problems I'm trying to solve? What are the problems our customers are trying to solve? And what tools are out there? How has the community solved these problems in the past? And how is it changing and solving them in the future? Well, on the flip side of that, what's the biggest challenge that you see facing the DevOps community and the DevOps movement in the next 12 to 18 months? Right. Um, I think two, two challenges. The first one is not a new challenge, which is actually understanding what DevOps is and approaching it <laughs> from the right way. Um, so, so staying, uh, keeping an orientation towards it that it's a philosophy, it's a culture, it's a way of life. It's not a tool set. Um, more times than not, folks get that wrong. 
Um, so I think that's that's a significant challenge. And then I think the um, rapid evolution and complexity that is hitting us that I've been talking about, it's happening so quickly. Uh, and because there is so much complexity in there, a single person can't wrap their mind around it, right? A single company has, struggles to wrap their mind around it unless they've got, you know, uh, you know, a gazillion dollars and a bunch of people mm -hmm. to throw at that problem. But if you've got a small DevOps team of, say, you know, three people, four people, the idea that you're going to be able to become expert enough in all of the things that are available to you is, is highly unlikely. Um, so figuring out how you're going to grapple with that rapid evolution um, and change of what's happening in the field today is a significant challenge for us, even as a service provider, we, we struggle there. Eric, anything you would like to add to that? Uh, I don't think so. That was a pleasure, and it's a complicated and uh, contentious topic, and I'm sure it will continue to be so for another 10 years. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we will definitely have you back, and we'll dive into it in more, more detail. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of questions that will come from this. So thank you very much for taking the time. Great. You're welcome, Chris.